as I always say, idea is king. Doesn't matter anything else. As long as you've got that amazing idea, that's the most important thing. Hello, TEDx organizers, and welcome to Solving for X. This is where we explore the art of organizing TEDx events. I'm your host, Jay Hirati. Today, we are talking about how to capture quality audio and video. We're doing this with Mina Sabet. She's TED's Director of Production and Video Operations. In this conversation, we are walking through a technical roadmap, which includes things like camera angles and audio backup. And we'll also hear from Mina how everyone on your team can help make sure that every talk is beautifully recorded. Share the wisdom in this episode with your lighting or camera operators, your stage manager, as well as the coaches who prepare your speakers for the stage. As Mina always says, idea is king, and our job is to allow that idea to shine. So, let's get started. Welcome. Thank you. It's wonderful to have you. It's wonderful to be here. And for those who don't know you, I know everything that has to do with any kind of video at TED, you're responsible for, but give us a quick overview. Okay, um, so... I have a team of 15 people, and we handle the pre-production, production, and post-production for all TED conferences, basically, for conference and then for all the digital content that goes on TED.com. So not only are we thinking about what is happening at the conference in the theater, we are also responsible for all of the post-production, so editing, um, transcript edits, viewing, vetting, all of that stuff falls right. to us. So you've got a very good visibility of if we, you did something wrong at the beginning of the process, how you have to pay for it yes. uh, during the editing process, etc. right? Absolutely. And you do the two major conferences at TED and then I guess a bunch of, sol- well, three this Three year, major conferences. Three major conferences, I guess, yeah. especially this year. Yeah. And then uh, how many other salons and institutes and all that, like well, how many events a year in total? This year, I would say we're up to 50 Um, Yeah, yeah. So we do everything in the we have our in-house theater, the headquartered theater in Mm -hmm. New York. We do all of the institute events all around the world. And then we do the three main conferences, global and summit switching out. Right. Well, we are thrilled to have you here because you're going to help us help TEDxers around the world accomplish the mission of why we're doing all of this. Uh, 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 Organizers uh, put on stage ideas that are great in the room, but many of them are really passionate about the ideas spreading and living in the digital world well beyond the stage. And so I'd love for this to be somewhat of a technical roadmap for the TEDx organizer who's kind of overseeing the whole process and also maybe for their team members who are responsible for putting together the audio video uh, production. Uh, So let's kind of maybe go through this step by step, but we'll actually start with stage design because when when organizers design their stages and i know tedx organizers do gorgeous things on stage what are the things to think about when it comes to uh having a beautifully recorded talk uh, afterwards Mm. well that's a good question and something we think about a lot because um you you know the big thing is i think we want something to be beautiful in the room but not distracting on video so we're really thinking about two things all the time and you hit on that is how does this feel and look in the room in the theater to the audience whether it be 
uh, you know, 10,000 people in the audience, which I've seen that at TEDx, it's amazing, or 10 people. Um, and I think the big thing is, so it's not distracting, but it's nice to have a wow factor. And to tell you the truth, because, you know, as I always say, idea is king. Doesn't matter anything else. As long as you've got that amazing idea, um, that's the most important thing. So with that said, you don't want to distract from the idea on stage. Um, so I would say, you know, one thing that as a rule that we're really careful of is being careful to not have, say, large objects coming out of the stage because like, for example, if you have like a piece of wood coming out or something, a straight line, and it's coming out of the head of right, the speaker, right. it looks crazy. Like that's just kind of a general rule. So I would say, you know, if you're on a real tight budget, why don't you use things in your local area? So if your area is very woodsy or whatever, you know, why not bring in something that that represents that, that's representative of your area? But if you're also on a very tight budget, um, I would say don't sweat it so much. Keep it really simple. You know, the most important thing is that we see those TEDx letters, yeah. you know, that you represent TEDx. Um, and you could do a lot of stage design with lighting. Right. Pretty gels, colors, um, as long as it's not so busy that it takes away from the speaker. And we'll get to lighting in a minute. Uh, but I guess if you're saying to keep it minimal, um, the letters and I guess the rug, the, the round red circle rug are, they give kind of the brand identity. Um, would you, if you want to do something crazy, would you put it off to the side uh, so that it impacts the room, but it's not captured on camera? Absolutely is the short answer. You need to adjust based on the stage. So we we put the circle in a different place sometimes every single time. We put the TED letters on a different side of the stage every single time. We put the screen in a different part of the stage every single time. It varies depending on the stage. So you have to be able to adjust to the stage. I saw actually a TEDx recently that it was in a teeny tiny auditorium and there is no stage. It was just the front of the room. And um, and it's really hard to do that in the space, but use what you have in your space. You know, try not to alter the space too much. Now, if you're a huge TEDx and you can do elaborate stages and you have a beautiful um, theater that you're working in, that's a whole nother canvas. And you can really get creative in that and, space. And what are the words of caution when you do get creative? So if you do have a big budget and you're doing something spectacular on the stage, um, I think you've mentioned make sure that it's not be behind the speakers so they don't seem to have funny ears coming out. But what else are, tell us about mistakes that we've made. Um, well, we haven't made any mistakes since I've been here, okay, Jay. Of so, course. Tell um, us about mistakes no. before you've arrived here. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> well, it was what I said is like, you know, pieces coming straight out of somebody's head or like if there are um, animation or people in in the background somehow like a little human sitting on top of somebody's head right. you know distraction the bottom line is you cannot distract from the speaker right so it has to you know keep it simple don't get i think over the top with you know flashing lights or movement you know my rule is when a speaker starts speaking it's still and you have to be focused on the speaker. It's hard to capture the stage without noticing any flaws that exist in the theater. So if the, even if the floor of the, the of the stage is black and it's got a little nick in it, um, 
sometimes it really shows and sometimes it doesn't is that all lighting or what's what and is there any prep you can do beforehand to the stage to make sure that it doesn't look dirty or damaged or anything like that yeah I mean there's not a magic trick I would say you know vacuum and clean the stage right before you start that we do that um, you do do we do it between sessions too? we do it between sessions we do it all day long um, and actually at Ted women last year I caught myself getting the vacuum cleaner and just doing it myself because you have to it is tricky because you know lighting is so important and sometimes when you have so much light on the stage you're gonna see every detail so you know what we do is we use Marley flooring which is this black cover on the stage and we have to replace it every year because it gets so nicked and damaged at Big Ted um, in Vancouver and that is something we just have to do so you know and and then a red rug is hard because you know if you want to put marks for a piano right. or something that's coming out on the stage you have to put we put red tape actually we don't use black tape anymore because you can really see it all right so let's talk about setting up the cameras give, okay give us a sense for what what we do it here at Ted. so the vancouver theater is quite long and deep it's a it's a pretty big theater it's beautiful and you know we want to capture the beauty of the room as well as the speaker and it's right. it's quite big so we'll have nine cameras and um, the reason we really only need seven but because we have imag which is when you take the image of the person from the stage and put it on the screen um, we needed to have those two cameras doubled so in other words there are seven main cameras, and then two of the cameras are sitting in the same spot as two of the other cameras. And that is only so that the image can be on the big screen, right? right? right. Um, so seven for the digital video that goes beyond the room, and we and use then the iMag. for the in-room experience. And we okay. still use, we record the iMag because we should. We can use those right. as well. So the iMag is generally a super close-up shot on the face and maybe a little bit wider at a different angle, and we put that on the big screen. So, you know, the Vancouver Theater is different because our stage design is really screens. The entire back of that wall is just screens. Right. And our stage design this year, we, you know, we try to change it up a bit, but we're really, you know, we have, the, the screens dictate um, what the stage design is really. So anyway, so the cameras are kind of, um, spread out throughout the theater um, I would say talk, that talk me through what are those yeah cameras? yeah so we we have a cable cam that is hanging from the ceiling that does kind of this stretch it's a sweep yeah. exactly and that's to give some drama you know we're in a theater it's massive theater we want some drama um, we're trying out a new camera this year uh, that is on a slider and we're, we're trying this because with a camera operator and um, a tripod, you know, you can't move around. And so we're going to try it and hope that it works. And it will give us uh, capacity, you know, to get a little bit of movement in those shots that we're missing. Um, and then the other, the other cameras are just your typical wide shots, um, uh, medium shots. You know, we say, we say elbows up. So somewhere that's grabbing from the elbow up, you know, so you can see the hand gestures of the speaker. Mm -hmm. um, and then and so, so walk us through, which, which shots do you aim for? So you have a, a medium? 
we have a couple medium shots. Yeah. So depending, because it's a very wide theater, we have like uh, stage right and stage left medium. We have a stage right and stage left close up. We have a wide shot, which is kind of the overarching area. We have the cable cam, which is kind of a side view and sweeping of the entire theater. Right. So sh to show the scope of the space, to show the beautiful space, and then also to show the speaker on the stage. Um, and then we have two audience cameras that sit on the stage that face the audience, right? right? Um, those audience cameras are handheld. We don't have those on, on a tripod. So they allow us to get more of a side angle if we want, um, you know, we can move around a little bit more. Um, and audience shots, you know, we don't generally use audience uh, unless we're covering an edit. We kind of stay away from audience shots because they're just, especially when there's so many people, there's always somebody yawning or <laughs> there's always somebody like touching their face. But it's, or, a, but it's, we, it's an important part of every, every TED talk video. It is. It is. It's interesting. So, so we would put in one if, you know, maybe even at the end because we do want to show that there is an audience there. And then, you know, there's always like an establishing shot. I like to see um, an establishing shot at the beginning. So uh, one of the first shots that you'll see in an edit is the showing the scope of the space. So if it's uh, in the Vancouver theater using that cable cam to show, look at where we are. Right, right. Let me establish where we are. We're in the Vancouver theater. And for smaller TED events, uh, like the ones we do in the theater or the second stage in Vancouver or the Institute ones, what setup do we have there in terms of cameras? So we generally do five cameras. That's kind of our minimum rule. Oh, for, right, that's nice. Yeah, it's still a lot. Um, and that is, for example, at TED Women, it's a, it was a huge space, actually. So one reverse, which is the audience shot, a wide shot, um, a close up and then kind of two varying medium shots um one is like a, a elbows up that i described right. and then one is a head to toe so it's a little wider hmm. um yeah so we and and with those cameras those three cameras the close up the medium and the elbows up we vary those cameras you know we try to move them around a little bit in terms of how tight they get on the speaker depending on the movement of the speaker you know that's really that's a huge part of it is in rehearsal we learn a lot about how the speaker moves some some speakers hmm. pace which is terrible some speakers just look to one side which is terrible for us some speakers dart their head back and forth a lot so we adjust the cameras based on each speaker that's um, interesting. and that is something that's important you know rehearsal is really important for that reason now let's jump from vancouver to a tedx event yes. and now you are on a budget mm -hmm. if you're like on a budget what would you hope for three cameras two cameras four cameras and then what would they what would each one do well Again, it depends on the space. So if you're in a really small space and you, there's not really a lot to show, you could do two cameras. I mean, three would be great as the very minimum. Um, and those three cameras would be a tight shot on the face, you know, not too tight, but like uh, I would say right below the start of your neckline. Okay, so like your collarbone. And it shouldn't be a face on like straight, face on nose on shot should just maybe be a little bit tricked to the side just a tiny bit so that's that's key because you want to see the expression of the speaker i mean i'll tell you i would say try not to just use one camera um if you could get 
one nice camera and maybe use a couple iPhones. You know, iPhone quality is pretty high. If you have a later version iPhone, um, you can get 4K on your iPhone. Hmm. And and that's pretty amazing. So, you know, you can get a tripod for $30 on Amazon and use that tripod and put your camera on it and get, you know, the wide shot with your phone camera. Um, You could, you know, I shot actually a whole campaign for Global Nestle in Switzerland with three iPhones. And it was a global campaign. And that was in 2013. Okay, so you got the close shot, uh, the tight shot, you got the medium shot, which is elbows up, right? Uh, And then what would be the third? And I would say a wide, yeah. So it would be nice. The good thing about a wide shot is you can cut to it if the speaker is really having trouble. You know, you have to have more than one camera to cut to because otherwise it becomes a jump cut. So it goes, then, you know, we're talking and you decide you're gonna cut me here and then you're gonna keep going. My face is gonna go from this position to a different position all of a sudden. You have to have a camera to cut to for that reason. Um, And if you only have one camera, you you don't have that yeah. luxury. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so we talked about cameras. Let's talk about lighting. And I know you are passionate about lighting. What are the most important things to think about as we at TEDx set up the mm. lighting for the stage? I mean, lighting is tricky. It's not an easy thing to do. Um, lighting requires somebody who has you know a little bit of expertise and knows there's so many lights out there to use. I don't know if it's useful to give like specific tips on how to light. I think it's more important to understand that you need to have, I always say the noun lit. So in a sentence, you have a noun, that's your main part of your sentence. The main part of your sentence on a TED stage is speaker. You need to have your speaker lit well. And that's really the most important thing. Mm. Um, You need to have front light on the speaker's face and back light on the speaker's head so that you can prominently see their face on stage. Uh, Lighting gets tricky with a lot of different skin tones. Um, You know, when we were, there was a conference where we had such a different array of skin tones that we we noticed that we had to adjust lighting throughout the entire conference. Mm. Um, Really well. Yeah, but, and it sounds like, because it requires a real expert to put together uh, lighting and something that's really, it sounds like it's advisable to go and find somebody who knows what they're doing. What's, what's the brief? So if you are hiring a lighting designer, what other requirements in the brief would you give them? I mean, I don't know if there are requirements. A lighting designer should know what they have to light. Right. It's it's I think it's more of if you're looking for somebody who's an expert in their field and you want to make sure they're truly an expert and you have budget to pay them, look at their their reel and their resume, see what they've done in the past and see if you like what they've done. And that's pretty much what they're going to do. If you don't have a budget to hire somebody, there are kits online that you can get. There's a there's a kit called like a Kino Flow, and it's basic basic lighting, usually for you know interview type of thing. But if that's all you've got, you know you can you can put some lights up and make it really basic. But if you're in a theater, there should be lights should in, be the in the theater. Yes. Um, I mean, the other thing is learning about lighting. You can literally do anything online. So you can learn about it online, get details about your space, um, understand what kind of space you have. You know, and and 
I've kind of changed my tune a little bit because I think I used to say lighting was so important. Um, if you can't see the speaker's face, then all is lost. But actually, audio is really probably the key. Um, if you yeah, can't, yeah, if you can't see the video, but you can hear the talk, hey, it'll go on TED Talks Daily, which is our podcast. It'll go online. And there are plenty of examples online of um, actually TEDx talks that have gone viral um, and the lighting and the video quality is horrible. It's terrible. Like you can almost not even see Mm. very well. Um, And I would say it's distracting, but because the idea is so strong, the audio is great. You can hear it. You know, a lot of people don't even watch stuff anymore. They're just on their phones (laughs) while, you know, right? Right. So... Um, so set us up for uh, outstanding audio. What what are the things to think about? Well, so I would say if you're going to spend money on something, make sure your equipment is the best quality. That um, and and I guess the first step is to find somebody who really understands audio. Audio is complicated. Audio is like a whole nother world. So understanding that audio, um, that you know, having somebody. For example, listening during the entire conference to make sure that what you're recording is working Mm. is key. So if you have, even if it's not an expert, even if it's just somebody who can listen. One of the volunteers um, who's just sole job is just you listen to audio. Literally sole job. That's all they do. They're listening to audio. So I'll give you an example of something how how, um, vigilant on site we are about this. I am in contact myself because I'm so neurotic about <laughs> audio because if we don't have the audio, it's uh, forget <laughs> it, right? Nothing. You can't read their lips. So yeah. um, I am directly communicating with the lead audio engineer. He's got headphones on. As soon as a talk starts, he's listening and he doesn't take those headphones off and he's just texting me and I'm walking around the theater to make sure it sounds good in the theater because two different audio, right? What's happening in the theater is different from the recording. So he is texting me. Sounds good. Sounds good throughout the entire talk. Wow. Okay. So, so the tip to a TEDx organizer of an event, say between a hundred and 500 people in a relatively ordinary auditorium would be what? So generally what we do is we have, because audio can go bad in so many places. So you mic up the speaker, they're wearing the headset, um, they could touch something on their ear, they might have a scruffy beard and do some, you know, rub their face that knocks this out of place. I mean, you've, you've been on the TED stage, you know how it is. Yeah. Um, so we test them before they go on the stage, they have their mic on, somebody is listening actually all the time to them. That's why they always say, turn off your mic when you go to the bathroom, right? That's kind <laughs> of the rule because we're constantly listening to make sure that nothing's happening to the mic because also a battery could fail, a wire could go bad, that could happen at any second. Um, and so we're just constantly testing. Uh, we're recording and then we're also, we have a backup recording in case that recording fails. So we do have redundant recordings always of both our video and our audio. Mm. Um, and then I kind of in the last two years made this new rule that no earrings at all. Um, they can wear studs, but that's it. Um, and when things go wrong, I've noticed sometimes at TED conferences, we you get the text, it goes, it's not working, or I can hear the beard. Somebody just 
stops the talk yes. somebody gets on adjusts it talk about that like when do you mm. make the call that is is that's a good question thing to do so that took us a little while to get the cadence of how to do that because it's not an easy thing to do so if i make the call then that information has to go to the director in the control room and then the control room director is telling the stage manager and then the stage manager is walking on the stage or telling the yeah. curator and so we you know i'm not going to say it doesn't happen because now it's going to happen but it is very we have a very clear path of communication so it's different at big ted than it is at say ted women or ted global or ted summit um it's easier at the smaller conferences but at ted at big ted usually we'll try to do a pickup later because what does it mean to pick up so later? a pickup is if uh we hold the speaker after the session and they re-record their entire oh, talk sometimes we do that we try to avoid that because we don't have the audience there but um you know having to stop a speaker there's kind of a cutoff point so for example if it's in the first 30 seconds i have no problem stopping mm. them but if it's five minutes into the talk i am not stopping them right. and we had you know it's happened so because it just kind of screws up the cadence of their you know giving their talk and they're already so nervous as it is so uh, you know it's really dependent i would say discuss with your team and see what makes the most sense for your situation um, but definitely come up with a plan, you know, and, and really come up with a plan for everything you're doing. What if this happens? What if that happens? Yeah. Two things that I always see go wrong at TEDx conferences where I guess the host can come in handy, where click the video and it doesn't play. So for some reason, the video doesn't play. And by the way, it happens at TED conferences as well. And the damn clicker. Yeah. The clicker sometimes, you know, the speaker is in, two three minutes into the talk they try to click and it does the click it does not work and i have seen that at ted conference oh sure too. for sure what did what is what did we do to mitigate that usually and you know i hate to say it but usually it's the speaker usually they're either very click happy or they get nervous um and they, they click the wrong part of the clicker uh or they they overclick, you know, that happens. But, you know, technology messes up too. So that's also a piece of the puzzle. We don't really ever know exactly for each speaker, but we could guess because actually there's a light. When you click our clicker, there's a light that comes on that says it's being clicked. Oh, and okay. sometimes, you know, the speaker just gets nervous and starts <laughs> clicking like crazy. You can see it. <laughs> so we often know what the issue is. And then video again it's the clicker um you know i think that the host from the sidelines could be like you know yell out to the speaker if if it's a small enough stage not on the big ted stage but usually the speaker figures it out and is just like let me try it again and and if it's not working or if we see that they're clicking the wrong thing or it's actually not working we'll just we'll just roll the video we have a backup video on another server we can just roll the video um, I know that not everybody has that. So, right. yeah. But so, that's a good, that's a good But I don't plan. think a host needs to go. You can also prep your speaker. You can say, hey, listen, if it's not working exactly, don't get frustrated. We'll go through it in the rehearsal. Oftentimes, the rehearsal is very different from what really happens. So, you know, you can prep your speaker. And we try to do that is prep the speakers and say, you know, don't freak out. It's there. We're here to back you up and, you know, whatever. Because, yeah, they often do get frustrated. Yeah. So when we prep speakers to 
kind of really get the na nail of the on-stage appearance that gets captured well with all the technology. Mm -hmm. um, so we show them a little bit on how to use the clicker, right? We mm -hmm. talk to them about pacing. We talk to them about clothing and jewelry. These are yeah. all things you've mentioned. Mm -hmm. Anything else that we have um, to cover with them? I, You know, I even think like, you know, you talk to them about, you don't want to change who they are because everybody speaks differently, but it's okay to use your hands, try not to pace. Um, you know, really, I even talk to the speaker in the rehearsal about um, when you walk on the stage and you get into the circle, really plant your feet in that circle. Right. Plant your roots in that circle. Get your feet planted, look at the audience, take a deep breath and start. Don't feel like you have to just punch right as you get, you know, as you're walking on the stage, as soon as you hit the red circle, you should start. Actually, we don't want you to do that. Right. It helps us in the editing even. But I think it also helps as a speaker. I know for me, if I'm speaking, it helps to just kind of see get my grounded, space, yeah. get grounded. Yeah. Take a deep breath. Take a deep pause, breath. Pause, a little pause and yeah. start. I remember the very, very first time I got up on, on a TED stage to give a little talk. Mm -hmm. um, and I did rehearsals and Bruno was just giving me some tips it was a presentation about tedx but and i remember i had my hands in my pockets this is just a couple months after i joined I had my hands in my pockets and then bruno said like it's fine you know you're anchored on the rug you're not moving but take your hands out and i was like what would i want to do with them and he said just put them here like that you know I'm, I'm motioning like ted hands right just just have him lay and i thought that would be the weirdest thing in the world but yeah. it just looks normal on camera oh, that's so funny <laughs> it just looks so I learned, oh, you can just leave them here and it looks perfectly That's fine. so funny. Um, okay, so, you know, you talk about um, the whole uh, production part, not, you don't want it to be living separately on an island. Uh, you've used that term before. What do you mean when you say that? Oh, yeah. So like all of the different parts of the process to put a conference together, you have curation, you have speaker coaches, you have, you know, depending on how big the TEDx is, there are different parts to the puzzle, mm, right? Yeah. And I think that, uh, you know, in saying you don't want to be an island is you really need to communicate with each other um, to, to understand what the content of the speaker is. So if you, have a, if you have a bunch of speakers who are really just speaking with slides and it's pretty basic, you know, that's going to dictate what your stage design is going to look like, help dictate. Right. It's going to help dictate um, the lighting. It's going to help dictate a lot of different things. And so you need to be talking with curation and all of the other parts. Throughout the process. Throughout the process. curation and yes. planning. Yeah. Because, you know, I would say you don't want to put everything in place and get everything done without having those conversations because it's going to dictate how you do everything from the design to the lighting to everything um, to the even the space that you pick uh, all of those things and then you know even thinking about so that's for the room but thinking about the digital content as well how it's going to work for the digital audience and and honestly most of the time the digital audience and the theater audience are couldn't be more different. It is so hard. Mm. That is probably the hardest mm. thing for for us is thinking about, okay, that's going to be great in the room, but my digital audience could care less. They're not in the room. They're not feeling the energy. There's something very different very about much, feeling yeah. the energy of the room. And actually, even though I'm very much involved in the pre-production process of a, of a conference, I try not to watch the talk 
until I see it on video later. So I'll be in the room. I, I try not to pay attention to the talk while they're giving it in the room with the people in the room because it's very different in rehearsal when it's empty and they're talking to an empty theater than it is with a theater full of people, right? So I try just to watch it on video. Anyways, so um, yeah, so I think talking to each other, communicating with everybody all the time. You know, my team does, we have weekly meetings with various people at TED constantly to be talking about how it's going to work in the theater and, you know. What are you thinking uh, when you think of post-production? You guys obviously handle it here, but what are some of the biggest tips, do's and don'ts in the post-production process? You know, you want to keep the integrity of the talk, so you don't want to cut the talk too much. But I think that there's something to say. You know, everybody always says to us, everybody delivers their talk perfectly, right? Everybody says that to me. And I'm like, oh, actually, yeah, they're pretty good. But we do take out some of the pauses and the ums and the, you know, stuff that if you know, obviously, if they stop to get a drink of water or if right. they do those things, we do take those out because we want to retain the audience. Audiences all across the digital platform are, they have a short attention span. Yeah. They don't want to waste their time with that. Now, you know, if you can't afford editing, um, you could edit on your computer with just iMovie, which is fine. Um, but if you can't even do that, you could just let the line cut go out, you know, just what the director's cut if you had a director. Mm. Now, if you didn't have that, then you have to edit it. We edit TEDx talk sometimes a little bit more because uh, people get on, on the stage sometimes and make very local and time-related references to where are we now or what. Oh, that was funny, the speakers just before. A lot of speakers sure. get in and make a comment that only makes sense in that room at that moment but right. would make no sense to... Uh, a digital audience. Yeah, and we do cut if they are if they say like the speaker just before me. But we're pretty good at telling them not to do that. They right. don't tell a joke. They don't even introduce themselves when they go on stage, right? right? They let the host do that. So. Okay. So Mina, I'm going to send you a copy of this uh, podcast recording and you can take out all the ums that I use and all the kind of times when I'm like stuttering and I'm getting things wrong. It's going to be perfect, right? Yes, perfect. Exactly. <laughs> That's well, so thank you so, so much uh, for joining us and thank you for all the love and support you give TEDx Aww. every single day of the year. I'm not going to go into too many details, but anything we ask for, for our workshops and for our video presentations, your team is always got like, yes, we can. <laughs> so thank you for all your support and thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me. And I'm always happy to help support you guys. Great. We love the TEDxers. We hope you enjoyed listening to this episode with Mina Sabet. Remember to subscribe to the Solving for X channel on SoundCloud, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. And you'll receive notifications about the latest episodes. And please, also take a moment to review the episode and let us know what you think. We are always eager to hear your ideas and suggestions. Thank you for listening to Solving for X.